0: here on this day after Christmas, I'm sure they'll show me in a moment here, uh, but uh, and we're just, we're just so excited to be able to come together, and uh, there I am, uh, and, and, and just worship Jesus, and I can't think of a better way to end the, the year together in church and end a series than talking about him being the Prince of Peace and us taking communion together. Uh, and then we're going to add one more part on there. We're going to we're going to pray, like the Bible tells us all throughout the Word of God. We're going to pray f- for that aspect of peace that we need. Bible actually tells us to ask God for what you need, and then the peace will guard your, your heart and guard or your heart and then you guard your mind. So we're going to end today uh, asking. For, for God to bring peace into certain areas of our life, whatever it is. So uh, I encourage you to be, be thinking, be dreaming up uh, the big thing you're going to ask for today. And being a Christmas junkie, I don't, I don't go quietly into the Christmas night, so I did uh, get my Christmas socks. Uh, uh, even my daughter was today like, why are you listening to Christmas songs? And I'm like, cause Epiphany doesn't end until January 5th and uh, I'm hanging on. So, uh, I don't even know what Epiphany is other than it's a word that I never paid much attention to and it allows me to, to say I'm listening to Christmas music after January 1st. Um, uh, but I, I'm just so excited today to talk about that aspect of his name will be Prince of Peace that we see, uh, in, in Isaiah 9 uh, verse 6. Uh, uh, and so that's our big idea today, is that Jesus' name will be Prince of Peace. And I know that throughout the course of history, every era, every nation, every people group, every family, every individual has said, oh, I've needed peace more here than ever before. Uh, I, don't, I don't know in my, in my lifetime, in my nation, or maybe in the world as a whole, that I've thought more about the peace of Jesus being so overwhelming over what the enemy and the world tries to throw at us. Uh, I, I haven't thought of it, it being more needed than, than now. And so that's, that's why I'm really excited today um, to, to talk about Jesus' name being the Prince of, of Peace. Uh, and so we're going to be in a couple of different places in in the word, uh, mostly in Colossians three. If you want to turn there, we're going to get to there in, a, in just a little bit. Uh, we're going to walk that through, but I wanted to start off in John uh, and and looking at the words of Jesus. He's he's preparing his followers at the time, and and even us today. He's preparing them for when he's leaving. He's going to going to die, and then. And then, and then be buried, you know, be put in a tomb for three days, and then rise again, and then, and then everything's going to change. And so he's preparing them for that moment. And he's talking to them in a world that is very similar to what we go through even today, this world of turmoil, this world of consistent distress, where, where he's the only one who can bring peace, and then he's telling them, hey, I also am a, am a God who rules from a place of peace. Most of us, when we think of world rulers, we don't think of them as being the most peaceful person. We might like them, but we don't think of them as necessarily a person of peace. But Jesus rules and reigns from a peace-filled throne. That's never happened before. It will never happen in any other way. Only He can do that. And so, He's preparing His followers at the time in, in John chapter 14 and He says, I'm leaving you with a gift. He's talking about the the Holy Spirit, that will come into the heart, and into the lives of believers at salvation, that that's the gift that he's, he's leaving them with. And then he gets specific. He's like, this gift will bring peace of mind and heart, Jesus says. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. He's saying, hey, don't yield to fear. Don't be troubled in your heart. Instead, Jesus says, be courageous. Enjoy this gift I give you. So the question is, how? I mean, how? I want peace. You probably want peace. I think we all like peace. Being courageous is fantastic, so how do I live not troubled, not afraid, in any way, in anything that's going on? Maybe two years ago, if somebody said, don't live troubled or afraid, you'd be like, oh, okay. We still have aspects of that, but like in the last two years, we're like, oh, how else am I going to live? That's all I get fed. From this world around me. How do I live in peace, from courage, not troubled, not afraid? That's a great question. I've been asking myself that for a while. Maybe you asked that question or maybe you hear it today and you're like, yeah, I have that question too. Hold that thought. We're going to get to it and then we're going to let Jesus take care of the answer in a little bit here. But peace is how God guides us. Listen to what Paul tells followers of Jesus in, in Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. A lot of you probably heard this, this verse before. Paul writes, And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. He's telling us how to let it guide us. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful Now, if I were to read that verse alone and just left it there, I'd be like, well, that sounds lovely. Okay, let let peace that comes from Jesus rule my heart. All right, woo! I like peace. Again, so do you. Especially peace from Jesus and, and living in peace with others, right? Imagine a world no turmoil, no distress, no issues, no arguments, no disagreements, no worry about what that person will do, or how how that person will act, or react, or what they'll say, and Jesus says, hey, let that rule in your heart, and so I like peace, and I like peace from Jesus, and I like peace with others, but. And that's not a condescending but that I think of in my sometimes contrarian mind. It's more of a, okay, well, tell me something a little more tangible to go along with that. Because that sounds so good, but how? What? uh, Give me the ability to respond or act that way. Give me a takeaway. Give me something concrete and tangible. So what we do is we look back a few verses. In fact, we look at the first 14 verses prior to verse 15 to see the basics, the, the essence, the, the evidences of that Jesus piece that we read about in Colossians 3, verse 15. So we're going to walk it through in some chunks here. If you're, if you're in Colossians 3 with me, we're going to walk it through in some chunks some, ...some chunks here of what Paul tells us... ...of how to then live in that peace. Verses 1 through 4. Paul's saying, hey, as a Christian... ...as a follower of Jesus... ...you believe in Him... ...and you want to follow Him... ...so now you live a new way. There is a new way of life... ...for the believer that we do not live like our old selves. He says, think about heaven... ...and how heaven does everything... Okay, that's kind of a tall order. How do I know that? Well, this word, life in community together, learning, growing, giving our lives away, being generous like Mark talked about, uh, be, being a part of, uh, of growing in, in life studies and, 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 and real life groups, kind of what, what Jordan and Michael are talking about with the ones we're kicking off as we come into the new year. We, we learn what heaven thinks and what heaven does From the word and it's best learned together. Paul says, you don't do anything like the world does. Like you once did. What you once did prior to Jesus, you don't do anymore. What the world tells you, you don't do anymore. Do you care for the world? Yes, they need Jesus. Do I care what the world says? No. I care for them. I don't care for what they think. They cannot dictate your life. They cannot. I mean, I even read this week, you know, oh, churches should not gather anymore because, you know, new stuff. And I'm like, why is a non-Christian telling me what to do as a believer? This is who I go to. Yeah. Like, what does the Bible tell me to do? We gather. And I know that we're, we're lighter today. It's the day after Christmas. And there's a lot of you tuning in online, a lot uh, sleeping from tryptophan and all that kind of stuff and traveling. I get that. But like, we got to gather and some bishop who doesn't follow Jesus, who's the religious commentator for CNN, does not dictate the gospel to me. He just doesn't. I pray he gets saved or starts following the one he claims, but he does not dictate the gospel. Any more than I could walk up and be like, you know what you need to do for that car? Here's what I would do. I'd take a hammer and i beat it and I'd poke stuff and then I'd just drive it really fast until it fell apart. That's how you treat a car. Because I don't know nothing about cars. So don't ask me about your car or else. Don't ask a guy who doesn't follow Jesus or read his gospel about what he says. Okay, that wasn't a part of any of this. That, I'm just getting it off my chest. Okay, thank you. for. Thank you. Whew, I need a hanky. No. Uh, so Paul says, don't, don't do stuff like the world does. You're a representative of Jesus now. So if you mean it, be like Jesus. Tall order, yes, but we never get bored. I never get bored becoming like Jesus because I'll never get there. But man, will I become more like Jesus every day of my life. And then verses 5 through 11, it gets a little hard. He says, get rid of the old ways. We all have old ways prior to Jesus. Some of those old ways try to just grab us all the time. It's the flesh we have to deal with. And Paul says, no more sins leading you, no more sins living in you. And then he gets specific. He says, lust, evil desires, impurity. Don't be greedy. That's an idol, he says. You used to live the way the world lives, so don't anymore. Get rid of anger. Get rid of slander. Get rid of gossip. Oh, but what am I going to talk about around the water cooler? Talk about what you gave at Christmas. Talk about who Jesus is to you. Talk to a person in front of you, not about a person not next to you. Gossip, like, gossip's a hard one because it's so norm in our society. we got to stop. Get rid of mean behavior and lying. Paul basically says, wear the new uniform that you got in following Jesus so people know you belong to him now become like Jesus. And then in verses 12 through 14, we're told some really cool things that seem really big, but the gospel tells us, so we're going to live with it and we're going to believe it. God gives you what Jesus had when he walked on planet Earth. He gives you the abilities, the characteristics, the personality traits, and the heart just like Jesus had. It's from God, it's a gift, you and I can't earn it, we're just giving it, right? We're coming out of Christmas, none of your kids earned those things yesterday, right? You gave them, like Mark said, you gave because you love, you gave because you care, you gave because they just, they matter to you, you like to see the faces or whatever it is, you want to bless them, so you gave. Compassionate mercy for people. Paul writes, have that. Him? Mm-hmm. For Him. Kindness, no matter what. Be gentle and patient. Oh my word, Jesus, I need patience. Because I'm terrible at it, and I slip back into flesh mode, and I get impatient, and then when I get impatient, words come out that are not, they're not my heart, but they come out because my flesh says, you should say this now. Yeah. So be gentle and patient. Be tolerant of others' failures and faults. It doesn't mean we say it's okay you do that. It means that I forbear your sin issues. Because I'm going to love you in spite of how you're acting. That's what it says. Because were we loved in spite of how we acted? but Jesus? It says at the cross, he went there while I was yet a sinner. Romans 5, 8, and died for me. He was very tolerant of my failures and faults. And he didn't give me a pass... He took the punishment upon himself. This says, Forgive every single person that offends you. Remember, Paul says, Jesus forgave you, so let this be your motivation and love. Just just love people. It's the supreme way to show Jesus, And, and it brings everything together that matters, Paul says. And then you will naturally be able to do verse 15. Let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So if you're ever wondering, how do I let peace rule in my heart? Go to verses 1 through 14 and go, okay, I I don't do this kind of thing anymore. I think this way now and I act this way now. And then the peace that comes from Jesus will rule in my heart. I don't manufacture it. I live out the gospel And then the peace rules in my heart. That's how we live in peace, following the Prince of Peace and his ways. Jesus came as our peace offering. He sacrificed himself so we could be at peace with God and then live at peace in this world. And and, and here in a second, the ushers are going to start handing out... ...our communion elements and we're going to take communion a little early in the message today. So they're going to hand those out if you just hold those. I'm going to tell you a story uh, about peace and hope as you're getting these communion elements. And then we'll take it together remembering that amazing moment where Jesus gave everything for us. Of course... I'm a self acclaimed Christmas junkie, and I love—I love so much about it. I—I I end up—I like I, okay. Oh, Holy Night can never be replaced, but every once in a while, there's like numbers two through five that move into position on the songs list for me. Uh, so this year, I think I heard it in a different way for some reason. But if you ever heard the song, uh, I heard the bells. It's actually a poem written by Longfellow, um, and and I think the song is sometimes titled "I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day," and. And I, and I heard, I'd heard about it before and I never really studied the, 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 the meaning behind it. But I went and I studied it this year and it blew me away what that guy went through. And, and when he wrote the poem, what was even going on in his life? He had had a, a lot of tragedy happen. His wife horrifically died, got burned to death, actually writing Christmas cards and her clothes caught on fire. Uh, it's during the Civil War at this time that he writes this. It's years after his wife had died and he had been scarred. If you ever see pictures of Longfellow, he has a beard because of the burn, uh, the burns that scarred his face. And so he grew a beard to cover those. And his son had gone to war uh, for the North because they, they were so opposed to slavery and they wanted to see people set free. And his son got, got wounded horrifically. They didn't even know if he was going to live uh, after his, um, you know, after getting shot and 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 the war is still going on and he's in he's in the northern part of the United States and it's Christmas morning and he can't fathom life anymore uh, just god what is happening to us and he wakes up on Christmas morning and he hears the bells ringing at the local church nearby old school just if you can picture it just the bells ringing and he hears them singing the song based in Luke 2:14 peace on earth goodwill towards men and as he's listening he's like yeah but yeah but I hear it and I like it and I believe in you but look at the world around us and they're, they're right in the middle of the civil war and so he writes this line I heard the bells on Christmas day their old familiar carols play and wild and sweet the words repeat of peace on earth goodwill to men but, but what he saw especially during the civil war was this world of injustice and violence that seemed to mock what the angels said on that night that Jesus was born. He's a prince of peace, but but it seems like, like our nation is mocking that now, and I don't get it. And he went on to write, and in despair, I bowed my head, there is no peace on earth, I said, for hate is strong and it mocks the song of peace on earth, goodwill to men. And he says that as he wrote, as he's actually penning this poem, that hope and trust rapidly grew into this overwhelming peace in his soul. There was this confident hope even in the midst of bleak despair all around him. He heard the song being sung. He heard the the Spirit of God speaking to his soul. And he was enlivened by this truth that God is alive and what is holy and right will prevail. And he goes on to write this amazing part of the song. Then peeled the bells as they're ringing more loud and deep. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail with peace on earth, goodwill towards men. That... Is what God means when he says, live this way in this dark, lost, broken, desperate world. You live this way and my peace will guard your heart and my peace will guard your mind. No matter what's going on. And then we'll look at everything differently. We'll look at the the brokenness of our world or our political system or or. Uh, whatever's happening you know, in our state or in our community, and we'll look at them through the eyes of a peace filled gospel and not a, a panic stricken world. Like, we know where we're going, we know who holds it all in his hand. We don't understand the, the intricacies of, of the end times. I mean, no one does. We can look for them and, and study them, and, and, but we know Jesus is coming, we know heaven is, is, is our home. We know there'll be a new heaven and a new earth and new bodies. We know we're safe. We know that at the judgment that those who believe in Jesus will be judged according to the blessings we get, the Bema seat in essence. It's where you go before the judge and he says, here's what I'm giving you because of Jesus. Jesus did this, Jesus did that, Jesus did this. This is what you get, this is what you get, this is what you get. Those who don't know Jesus, there's a judgment that is horrific and horrible to think of which is why we should be motivated to share the gospel. But we know that's why we can have peace in this world around us. So as we take communion in a moment, we remember the peace that the horror of the cross brought for us, that peace offering. I lay my life down willingly for all mankind to pay for their sin so that none would perish and all would have everlasting life. That all would, who would choose to believe in me would, would live forever in me. That, that all who call on the name of the Lord will be saved. That, that none will be left out who say, Jesus, please. Jesus, I believe. Jesus, move into my life. The cross was horrible. But the peace was brought for all mankind who would choose it. The entire planet was, was saved because of his work on the cross. And true transformational and lasting peace is when we're truly reconciled to God at salvation. So maybe you're listening online or you're on the radio or you're, you're here today and you've never made a decision to follow Jesus. His invitation is to you today. The Christ child, the, the gift given at Christmas that we celebrate the one who went to the cross for the sins of mankind. He lived a perfect life, never did anything wrong. He he died a death he didn't deserve that we deserved. He rose again in three days and he says, hey, I paid the price, you're set. You don't have any bill anymore. Whatever bill you ran up with your former life, it is paid in full. But you have to say, I accept it. Those who follow Jesus in this room or listening, they've accepted it. Those who haven't yet, the invitation is given to you. Will you accept Jesus' eternal salvation for your life? All it takes is yes. Discipleship, growth, becoming more like him, all that comes over time. We mature. But it's like a baby being born. Does a baby do anything at birth other than come out and scream, right? So we, you can come to Jesus screaming. He's Okay help me. And then maturity happens in a, in a child's baby's life and the child and the child, all that. They grow and they learn. That's what we do as disciples. But it starts with yes, I accept. And if you're in this room or you're listening and you've never accepted Jesus, he wants you. He, he came to earth and left heaven because you're worth it. He died a horrific death on the cross because you're worth it. And he says, would you, would you take my, my life? Let me take your mess, or your pride, or your pain. Let me take that, and you take my perfect eternal life, and you have it. Just because I like to give gifts, and eternal gifts are my favorite. All you have to do is say yes to Jesus today. And then you take communion with us in a few moments. And what a beautiful way to celebrate accepting Christ. Where's my, oh, it's right here. (laughs) Sorry. So... On that night that, that we read about in the Gospels, as they were taking communion, and I'll have you, you have your bread in your hand, he, he takes the bread and he's with his disciples, all of whom would abandon him, one would deny him, his best friend Peter, one would betray him and never be made right, Judas, and yet he still said, I give my body, I, I have it abused and tortured and tormented. And martyred for you. Because I love you that much. And he takes the bread and he he tears pieces off. And he gives them to his disciples. And he says, I want you to eat this. Because I want you to realize I'm giving my body freely to you. So when you take this, you're partaking in in my death. You're you're taking in the bread of life. Because I'm the bread of life, Jesus says. He says, you're taking in the bread of life. And this is a remembrance of me giving my body up for you. It'll be beaten and tortured and there'll be a crown of thorns beat into my head and they'll be able to see my ribs as they beat me and you're worth it. I just love you. I don't do this begrudgingly. I do this joyfully because you're my reward. Jesus says, you're my reward. So the enemy says, you owe me, you owe me, you owe me. And Jesus says, I'm going to offer my life as a peace offering so that mankind doesn't have to pay. So would you hold your bread? Would you just look at it for a moment? Just a piece of bread on this side of of eternity and on, on this side of the cross. But today, a piece of bread in your hand represents the body of Jesus given up out of love for you. Jesus gave thanks for it and he took it. And then Paul later writes about it. And he says, every time you eat this bread, you're declaring that Jesus won for you. So Jesus, we thank you for giving up your body for us, for giving your life, for laying it down. And we eat this remembering that sacrifice of love because of love for us. Thank you, Jesus. The cup. It's filled with wine in some places, grape juice in others. Whatever somebody can get in another place. When we take the cup for communion, it represents the blood of Jesus poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Sin required a sacrifice. In the Old Testament, it was, it was your best animal, whatever that was, that you could give. And you sacrificed it, and it ...covered you for a time. When Jesus went to the cross, it covered mankind for all time. Not an individual sacrificing a bull or a sheep... ...or a dove or something for himself or his family. It was Jesus, the creator, sacrificing himself for creation... ...and when the blood poured out, as it spoke forgiveness. You're forgiven. That thing you did a decade ago that still haunts you? Forgiven. The thing you did last week, we were like, I can't believe I said that. Forgiven. How you may have, you know, said something this morning or last night or whatever. Forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. The blood keeps yelling, forgiven, forgiven, forgiven. So when Jesus passed the cup around, he said, I sacrifice myself and I pour out my blood for the forgiveness of sins. So when you drink this, remember that you're forgiven because of love, not because of anything you've done. So Jesus, we thank you for your blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins, mine. All those things I did, Jesus, you forgave me. And so we drink this to remember that amazing sacrifice. And again, every time we eat and we drink, it testifies of his death, burial, and resurrection for us, that he loves us that much. In John sixteen thirty three, Jesus still talking about preparing his people for, for his departure and for the world of turmoil that we have to live in until he returns and, and the peace he brings. And he says, I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. And the, all this that he told them was all the tough times they were going to go through. It wasn't easy, an easy, it's not an easy read. But he says, I tell you all this about the turmoil so that you have peace in me. Here on earth, you'll have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I've overcome the world. Everything that Jesus teaches is so that the peace which is in him will be in us. It'll give us this great confidence to, to, To live and to rest in him. The peace that we have or that we can have is in and because of his victory over sin, death, Satan, the grave, all the demons of hell. It's victory over that. We have peace because Jesus won. In Philippians chapter 4, he writes about how our minds should be. And he says this, Philippians 4, 6, don't worry about anything, Paul writes. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. And then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace is how God protects our minds and hearts against Satan's attacks with fear fear. And anxiety and whatever else he uses. And Paul tells us right there, he says, don't worry, instead pray. So let's pray then. Let's pray. He says right here, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him and then you'll experience his peace. Let's pray. Let's pray for peace in our lives. There are some biggies, right? Marriage. I want peace in my marriage, my family, my job situation, or my workplace. Like my job's secure, my workplace is a catastrophe. Maybe it's your health. What you've gone through, what you're going through, what, what you're feeling might come. Or maybe you just have this general dread that the world has been feeding you. You should fear for your future health. Even if you feel great, you're not going to. And maybe you just need peace there. Maybe relationships. You're just like, oh, my marriage is great, but other relationships are just awkward. There was a survey done, a Christmas study a few years back, actually prior to 2020. So I can't imagine what it would be like if we did it after that. But it was, they asked, where do you need peace in your life? And there were like 500 people in different areas of the country that were asked These are the main ones that came out. Peace with my parents or my ex or my kids. That was number one. No more political fighting. That was prior to our 2020 election. (laughs) My heart and mind at rest. I just want to be calm. My heart and mind are racing. My marriage to be peaceful and to bring me life and joy. That broken relationship mended And I'd love to have it again. That's what most said when they said that was like the fifth or sixth on the list. That broken relationship mended, and I'd love to have it again. It's just not peaceful. Peace in my nation, people ask for. So I'm going to ask you to stand right now. And here's what we're going to do. When we're done singing, we're going to sing a couple songs after this. When we're done, we're going to have a prayer team up here, and they can... Pray for anything on your heart, anything on your mind at all, any need you have. Right now, what I'd love to ask for is, where do you need peace? Where do you need peace? You have a God who loves you. He went to the cross and He died for you. A God who cares, a God who says, here's peace, here's peace, here's peace. Ask me for what you need. Does anybody in here need peace in any area of your life? Any area. And it could be, this is my nation. I'll, I'll be really honest with you. I look at, I love my state. And there's part of me that has this dread, like, what? I'll just, what if Beto wins? I, and I'm being real. I'm like, he'll, I want him to know Jesus. I do. He needs Jesus so bad. And I don't say this to mock the man. He needs Jesus. He's lost. I mean, I was as awful as a person as he acts sometimes before I knew Jesus. I needed Jesus. He needs Jesus, but I kind of dread the thought of him if he won the election. I need peace in my heart about my state. and That's my big thing I'm going to ask for today, God, bring me peace and don't let him win. Save him. And I mean it. And for some of you, it might be relationships or health, your marriage, your kids, grown or in your home. What do you need but ask for something? If you don't have anything to ask for, ask God why you're not asking for something. But let's ask, God, here's where I need peace. I really do. And then we're going to worship him in spirit and truth because he's a holy God who cares and who answers. The world needed peace because of sin. And the answer was Jesus born. 33 years later, Jesus crucified, peaceful, done, done, he's a guy guy who loves to answer emphatically, let him answer you today, let's pray, God we come before you, sons and daughters in this room, we're asking, would you bring peace in our lives, peace in our hearts, peace in our minds, peace in these areas. For marriages, for relationships, for health, for our family, for the kids that we love, for the parents that we love, for those friends that we love, in our workplace situation, in our nation, in our state, would you give me peace? Would you give me peace here, God? All the sons and daughters in this room, just just be whether you speak it out loud or you speak it loudly in your heart and mind, speak it out. Ask. God, I need peace here. I need peace here. I need peace here. I need peace in these five spots, Lord. I need it. And I trust that you will guard my heart and my mind with that peace. Because I'm asking and I'm thankful that you're an answering, God. We worship you now. And we thank you for being the kind of God who listens, who cares, and who comes through. You came through for humanity. Why wouldn't you come through for me one more time? In your name we pray.